turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin our reading with verse 27. We're going to continue a Bible study that we started last week um, regarding speaking with tongues. And we're going to continue that tonight, part two of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll begin our reading with verse 27. Praise the Lord. The baptistry is warmed up in case someone needs to be baptized tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. The Bible says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, uh, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, uh, then gifts of healings, uh, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Verse 31 gives us permission to covet something. Even though the Bible very ardently speaks against having an attitude of covetousness or coveting things, uh, here is the one place we're allowed to covet or to strongly desire. Strongly desire the best gifts. Chapter 13, verse 1, just one more scripture. Chapter 13, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And uh, if I remember, and if the Lord reminds me, I'll, I'll end with that very verse uh, just as we've begun with it. But I just want to continue our Bible study regarding speaking with tongues. Can you pray together with me? And let's ask the Lord to just open our understanding tonight, to understand the scriptures and teach us his ways. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this evening that we have this time to spend together and in worshiping you and hearing your word. I pray that as your messenger, as a teacher tonight, as the pastor of this assembly, I pray that I will carefully, in the fear of God, feed the flock of God over which you have made me an overseer that you have purchased with your own blood. I pray that you would help me, Lord, to speak your word and not my own as the spirit of God that dwells within me leads me to speak. And I pray that I will speak truth and that that truth, which is a seed, will fall on good soil in our hearts, that it might take root in our lives and bear up fruit. Lord, I pray that each of us will be students that give an ear to hear what the spirit will say to the church tonight. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So last week, uh, we started talking about speaking with tongues and, and more specifically how oftentimes um, a lot of misunderstanding comes in circles about the subject of speaking with tongues, often because uh, people do not have uh, just a, a very good biblical understanding of the subject. Um, they see speaking with tongues as just kind of one one issue, um, and anytime it's mentioned in the Bible, they always see it in the same context. And they, what, what really oftentimes would help clear up that misunderstanding is to see the different functions or uses or purposes of speaking with tongues found in Scripture. Uh, last week, we spent a good deal of our time talking about how the use of speaking with tongues 
in especially found in the book of Acts, which if you ever want to find a record or a testimony of someone being born again, uh, filled uh, with the Spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus uh, for salvation, you will find that recorded in the book of Acts. And you will find in the book of Acts the specific purpose of speaking with tongues to be the initial evidence or the first proof that someone has received or been filled with or been baptized with, all synonymous ter terms used interchangeably in the book of Acts, uh, filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Again, interchangeable terms. And if the Lord allows tonight, I will share some testimonies briefly uh, towards the end of tonight's Bible study regarding this specific use of tongues. Uh, but briefly, I do want to mention this, that earlier today, I visited with and I prayed with a pastor uh, that is a pastor in Henry, Illinois. Uh, yesterday, he was, uh, he's really not sure what happened, but about a hundred yards from his house, he lives in a very rural area, a uh, country area, on a country road, off a country road. He was bicycling, and about 100 yards from his house, his house sits up on a hill, and there's a, kind of a valley, a dip, and then another hill, and uh, he was found with his bicycle on top of him, and they're really not sure what happened, if it was a hit and run, if the driver of a new or we don't know what happened. All, all we know is that he was taken to the hospital after someone found him, taken to the hospital. He was airlifted to the hospital. Uh, Old St. Francis uh, in Peoria. And uh, there he was in ICU until they were able to get him stable. He's in recovery now, doing better, but with several fractured ribs, uh, a clavicle bone that's broken in three places that they're going to have to uh, put back together uh, through surgery, um, uh, some gash on his head with staples. Uh, and thankfully, we've, I found out very quickly that he didn't lose his sense of humor. Even though he was, he was hardly able to laugh at all without grimacing in pain. But I was praying for him yesterday, and then I was again praying for him this morning in my time of prayer. And during my time of prayer, uh, I just kind of felt led of the Spirit to pray for him in, in maybe somewhat of an unusual way. I was praying that the Lord would use this situation for his glory and for the good uh, of, of, of his children. And I specifically prayed, Lord, I believe you're able to use this situation to cause the lost to be saved, the backsliders to return back to the Father's house, and for the saints to be strengthened in their faith. And I prayed this and uh, prayed it with, with, with desire and passion to see it come to pass. Well, that was this morning, and just a few hours ago, I was able to visit with him there in, in the hospital with his wife sitting there. And uh, we talked, we visited together, we prayed together, and just before I was leaving, uh, I had mentioned just, I believe that God's going to use this situation for his glory. And they said, listen, there is a man in the church in LaSalle, Peru. Uh, the pastor there is Jim Hollingsworth. Uh, Jim and Virginia Hollingsworth are close friends with the Morrisons. And the Morrisons were with them there in the Peoria Hospital visiting him yesterday, praying with, the, with his wife. And they said that a man there at the church in Peru, Illinois, his name is Russell, uh, just felt burdened to be praying for Pastor Mike Morrison. And while he was praying for Pastor Morris, and then obviously he began to pray for other things as the Spirit moved on his heart, Russell, who had been seeking to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost for the past two years, guess what? God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he knew it because he began to speak words that he did not understand as the Spirit gave him the ability and I thought that was just so neat, especially coming here tonight to teach this Bible study. And I heard that testimony in the hospital just a few hours ago. So the first function or purpose we see in the Bible uh, for speaking with tongues, and there's, there's really multiple Bible studies could be taken on this subject, and each facet or function of speaking with tongues. And you could take scriptures from both the Old and the New Testaments, actually. Um, but the second 
use of speaking with tongues that we see within the church is for self-edification or to build up oneself in the faith. And we'll talk about that at length here in just a moment. And then the third use, the third use is the edification of the body of Christ or the building up of the body of Christ. And that is done through the gift of diverse kinds of tongues when it's accompanied by its twin or sister gift, the interpretation of tongues. And again, we're going to unpack that here in just a moment. So after one is filled with the promise of the Father, which Jesus made clear in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, is the gift of the Holy Ghost. After we've received his Spirit and we have spoken in tongues as the initial evidence or first proof of receiving the Spirit, it now resides, his spirit now resides within us, and sometimes it will prompt us or we will be used to speak in tongues while we pray. In fact, praying in tongues is an activity that is well documented in Scripture. The Apostle Paul specifically discusses the correct use of tongues in prayer found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul writes to the church there in Corinth, and he says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, so he kind of makes it clear, when I pray uh, in an unknown tongue, or when I begin to speak a language that I have not learned, I do not understand what I'm speaking, he says, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying. I don't even under really, uh, really understand what I'm praying for. What is it then? He says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. He goes on to say, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. We find that the Holy Ghost within us will sometimes assist us in prayer, helping us to intercede and travail for individuals or for situations of which we might not even be in the know about. We might not even know about or be aware of. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 kind of elaborates on this very thing when it says, likewise, the Spirit, capital S, helps our infirmities, which means our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our inadequacies. It helps those things, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. Sometimes our understanding of how we should pray is lacking. Has anyone ever felt like that. Maybe a, a situation has come up, whether personally or in someone else's life, and you go to pray for that situation, and you feel like words just fall short, and you're really not sure how even to go about praying for that. And that's what he's describing. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. The one who knows your heart, he knows what is the mind or the intent of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He says that Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. These are things that we cannot uh, uh, articulate. We cannot speak them clearly with understanding. So the Spirit of God makes up the difference praying through us for things that we really don't know how to pray or what to pray for. Sometimes in prayer, uh, a person that is already filled with the Spirit will be led by the Spirit to pray in tongues. And when this occurs, we could, we could be confident that the Spirit is interceding through us, enabling our spirit to pray for things that are beyond our knowledge, beyond our understanding. This is kind of a, this is a revelatory thing. I, I feel like we, I should just pause right now to like absorb like what we're talking about. This is, this is supernatural. This is spiritual. And I will say this, as I take this pause, I do want to say that the Bible, it, it clearly tells us that those that are not of the Spirit or not minding the things of the Spirit, it's hard or impossible for them to understand spiritual things. 
This, this is actually one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul in his writing in his letters, sometimes he stops and he says, now I'm going to speak after the infirmity of the flesh. He says, I'm going to dumb this down because I know right now you're not very spiritually minded. So I'm going to speak in a carnal way so you could hopefully understand what I'm trying to convey to you, is a, which is a spiritual truth. So the Spirit of God will help us, assisting us, and we are certain that His Spirit is supernaturally empowering us to pray for things that we are confident they're the will of God. There's no question about it. Now, of course, we should note that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 and 15, which we just read, if you look at that, the Apostle Paul mentions two types of prayer. He mentions, I could pray in the Spirit, but I could also pray with my understanding. These are two types or ways that we could pray, whether in tongues or with our understanding in a language that we understand. But knowing that when we pray in tongues, our understanding is unfruitful. I believe that some of our prayer time, in fact, probably the majority of our prayer time, should be in our own language. The Lord has given us models, whether we could look at the Lord's Prayer, we could look at the tabernacle plan as a model of prayer. We could see all, we could see recorded prayers, whether prayed by the apostles or by Jesus himself. And we could take those prayers, and even in the book of Psalms, we could see all throughout the Word of God prayers being prayed that are in a language understood by the speaker. And while that may be the majority of how we pray with our understanding in a language that we have, that we know, that we understand, there is also another type of prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, uh, a, a chapter in the Bible that here at the Refuge Church we have often referred to that, uh, in, in, that, that includes the armor of God. And at the conclusion of the armor of God being listed... The writer, he writes, we should pray always, someone say, with all prayer. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. If we are only praying in the Spirit, in tongues, and our understanding is unfruitful, we don't understand what we're saying, we're missing out on another facet of prayer. If we're only praying in a language we understand with our understanding, words that are in our vocabulary, we're not praying with all prayer. The biblical uh, charge is for the saints of God to be able to function and to pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all Saints. Now, I will say one more thing before we move on, and, and, and that is that we note that the Apostle Paul also mentions singing in the Spirit, right? Right there in the, in the Scripture we just read, 1 Corinthians 14, says, I'll pray with, with the Spirit, pray with my understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with my understanding. The majority of what we do here at the Refuge Church when we're singing, we're singing with our understanding. We're singing words that we all, or for the majority of, uh, of, we understand what we are saying, right? But he says there, there's actually a, another means of singing. He says we can sing in the Spirit. Now, singing to us, singing for the most part, by and large, is a form of praise, a form of worship. So we see not only can we pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, but we could also worship or praise God in the Spirit or with tongues. In fact, the first time that we see people speaking in tongues, we come to discover from the testimony of those who heard and understood what was being said by those speaking with tongues, he said that, or they said they're speaking of the wonderful works of God. So we see that speaking in tongues or praising or worshiping in the Spirit is biblical as well. Now, what is the purpose of this? We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 and, and 19, and I, I, I toyed around with the idea of just going Scripture by Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 that talk extensively about this subject, but I opted not to, maybe another time. But... Chapter 14, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians, it says, I thank 
my God, Paul says. I thank my God. For what? I speak with tongues more than you all. I speak in tongues more than everybody. He's, he's, almost, he's bragging about it. I thank God I speak in tongues all the time. I speak in, how, how often do you speak in tongues? Yep, I speak in tongues more than you. How about you? Do you how often do you speak in tongues, would you say? Yep, I speak in tongues more than you. <laughs> I speak in tongues more than everyone. Now, he goes on to say in verse 19, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding or in a language I understand that's understood by the hearers, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So he says when we're together, I realize the importance of being able to speak in a common language known to all so that teaching might occur, so that the body or the, the church can be strengthened and built up. He says, but don't forget, I speak in tongues more than everyone. Now, why would, why would he be thankful for that? Why would he be thankful for that? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you back up to verse 2 through 5, the Bible says, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. So when you're speaking in tongues, you're not speaking to men because they can't understand what you're saying. Now, there are rare occasions, like in Acts chapter 2, where there are people present that do understand what is being said. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. What he's doing is he's bringing a comparison of gifts. The gifts of the spirit that we're going to talk about in a minute. He says, on one hand, there's people that speak in tongues, but no man understands what he's saying. But when you prophesy, when you prophesy, you're speaking a language that everyone hears and understands. A language that's common. Verse 4, he that speaks in an unknown tongues, uh, unknown tongue edifies himself. Now, that's, that's the important part that I want to pull out right now. He says when someone is speaking, praying, worshiping in tongues, it is edifying himself. It's building up himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. When he gives a message in an understandable language, everyone is strengthened. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except there be an interpretation, he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. No, again, now we see a, 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 an, an elaboration of why would Paul thank God that he speaks in tongues more than everyone. He says, because when you speak in tongues, it edifies yourself. It builds up you. In fact, he wasn't the only one. This isn't the only book that makes mention of that. But if you go to the second to the last book of your Bible, in the book of Jude, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 17, listen carefully if you, if you, if you don't have it in front of you, Jude 1, 17, this great church leader says, Beloved, remember yet the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the Spirit. He says there's going to be some, we were warned by the apostles of Jesus Christ that there's going to be some people that will come in among you that are sensual or that are basically very carnally minded, that mind the things of the flesh, that don't have the spirit. They're coming in among you. He's warning them. Now, if you think that warning was, was to be heeded 2,000 years ago, how much more do you think it should be here in 2022? That there are people that profess to be Christians that are very carnal, that are, that are minding the, the, the things of the flesh, that don't even have the spirit. He says, I'm warning you about them. But you, verse 20, verse 20, but you, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. What is that phrase synonymous with? Praying in tongues, speaking with tongues. Because when you speak with tongues, you edify or build up yourself. He says you build up yourself in the faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, so we see the first function of tongues uh, recorded in Scripture is the initial evidence of someone receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. We know that's not the only evidence, but we do see that scripturally as the first evidence. The second is that of prayer and praise by the believer 
uh, to help our infirmities, to pray for things we don't understand, and to build up our faith. Now there's the third use, and that's the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. And so what we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so we're going back a couple chapters, to verse 4. The Bible says, now there are diversities of gifts. There's different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation or the appearing of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Everyone say one. To another the word of knowledge. Everyone say two. We're keeping track now. By the same Spirit. To another faith. Three. By the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing. Four. By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Five. To another, prophecy. Six. To another, discerning of spirits. Seven. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. Eight. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. What we are introduced to here are the gifts of the Spirit. You will notice, uh, if you don't quickly read through it and just don't pay attention to uh, the use of the words, you'll find that this, there is the plural use of the word gift. It says the gifts of the Spirit, as opposed to what we see in the book of Acts, in chapter 2 and throughout the book of Acts, the gift of the Spirit, the singular use of the word gift. There's a difference. So someone, everyone, in fact, everyone that is going to be born of God receives the gift of the Spirit. Once someone is filled with the gift of the Spirit, they are now a candidate and able to be used by God to bless his church, the body of Christ, by the gifts, plural, of the Spirit. And nine are mentioned here. We're not going to take great time uh, to go through in detail the gifts of the Spirit. That's another Bible study for another time. But right now we're just focusing on the gift, what the Bible says, of diverse kinds of tongues. Did, did, did you hear that? It's a gift of different type of tongues. So it's a different type of tongues. Now these gifts of the Spirit are used to bless, to edify, to build up the church as a whole, the body of Christ. They're not given to us so that we could selfishly bless ourselves, you know, gifts of healings, working of miracles, faith. Now, I do find it interesting that... Um, that it does appear that people that have learned to be used in the gifts, that one of the temptations that they face, Brother Walker, is to use the gifts selfishly for selfish gain. Someone has learned to, that is filled with the Spirit, that has learned to yield to the working of the Spirit, to see someone, to see healings or gifts of miracles or discerning of spirits. It's interesting to me that some of these same people fall to the temptation of using it for gain for themselves, whether gain of fame or gain of fortune. Before you write off every televangelist or every uh, miracle worker self-proclaimed that goes around and, and prays with people and, and people claim to be healed and miracles happen and people get out of wheelchairs, before you write them off and write off all the miracles that happen at those events or churches or crusades or what have you, keep in mind that the working of the gifts of the Spirit within the church or among people that have faith in God does not condone the lifestyle or the spirituality even of the individual operating and such. I believe that if God could use a donkey to speak to Balaam, I could name names here. <laughs> he could use some individuals that are just in it for fame, recognition, getting their name out for fortune so that they could drive their own you know, nice cars, have mansions, and fly private jets. God could use a donkey. God could use them. And, and sometimes I do believe that those miracles are real because those people are putting their faith in God and believing that God will use that vessel to bless them and to meet a need in their life. 
The Apostle Paul, he did write, he says, in a great house there's vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And God, the master of the house, will see fit how he uses a vessel. But make no mistake, that vessel may be a vessel of dishonor that one day will reap the judgment of God rather than the blessing and inheritance of life. But nonetheless, we see that the gifts of the Spirit, they are intended to be a blessing to the body of Christ. They're not given to us to selfishly bless ourselves. And since they are to be used to minister to the body of Christ, the Bible gives very specific instructions on how they are to be used. It gives us guidelines. We see that especially in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. But make no mistake that chapter 13, the cream and the cookie sandwich, that, that chapter of love, that is, in, that is very purposely and intentionally placed there. And, and, and maybe we'll get around to it at the end before we close this Bible study of why this chapter of love or charity is right there between instructions on how to use the gifts of the Spirit within the body of Christ. Now the epistles or the letters written to the church uh, are, are here for us to gain this instruction. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to people, keep in mind, who have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He is giving them instructions on how to use the gifts of the Spirit, how it is intended to bless the church. He is not instructing people how to receive the gift of the Spirit, but rather how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And understanding this will help us avoid misunderstanding the use of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he starts out by saying this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, the only way he could call them brothers is because they've been baptized into the body of Christ in the name and with the Spirit. Brothers, I would not have you ignorant. He says, I don't want you to be unlearned regarding these things. As we have seen in the scriptures, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. This gift is used to proclaim a divine utterance or message to someone or to a group or to an entire congregation. And when we pray and worship in tongues, we are speaking to God. But when we operate in the, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, we are delivering a message to the people of God. The gift of tongues or speaking in tongues to other people, not to God, should only be utilized when someone in the room has the corresponding gift of interpretation. As it mentions in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 through 19. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Else when you will bless, else when you will bless with the Spirit or bless in tongues, how shall he that occupies the room, you all, of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks? How will people be able to say or know when to say amen? They, they don't understand what's being said. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all, but I'd rather speak five words in a known language than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. The Apostle Paul is clearly saying here that while personal prayer and worship in tongues is desirable, that's, that's what we should desire, speaking to others or addressing the church in tongues should only be done when someone is present to give the interpretation. That's why he says, if that happens, you all should pray for the interpretation. Be silent, pray, and ask God to give the interpretation so that we might know what he is trying to communicate to the church. Verse 22 and 23 of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign. They're for a sign. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come those that are unlearned or unbelievers, don't you think they'll say, you guys are mad. You guys are crazy. It actually reminds me, and I've told this story before, so some of you might remember this. I remember when a lady, this, is, this has been several years ago when we were really first starting the church, and a lady that was a guest came to service, and uh, she, uh, she kind of witnessed everything that was going on. Uh, she said there was you know, people pacing back and forth, people standing against the wall, uh, speaking out loud. Some people were like just babbling and gibberish. And, and uh, she, she told us later, she's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I've, I've been to the insane asylum before. 
truth be told, she was actually admitted one time to an insane asylum, and while she was there, she saw that. And she's like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but then, obviously, through Bible study, Sister Karen Morris, uh, she came to realize, like, oh, like, this is scriptural. Like, this, and she came to appreciate, and she herself was born again, both of water and of the Spirit. But imagine the chaos, the confusion, if everyone, every service, all we did, and we got up here, and right now I'm just teaching, I'm speaking in tongues. And the worship leader comes up, and the worship team comes up, and they, they're singing in the spirit. Yeah, that, that probably, like, it might be good for the individual. Like, hey, I'm building up myself in the most holy faith, but it's not going to bless the whole. It's not going to bless everyone. So when an individual gives a message in tongues, in the spirit, in diverse kinds of tongues, in a public setting, and someone is also moved by the spirit to give the interpretation of that message, then then tongues becomes a sign to the unbeliever and all hearers are edified and blessed because they understand what has just been communicated through the gift of diverse kinds of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Paul goes on to say that this gift of tongues should be used in a controlled manner in public services. It should not be operated more than three times in one service. 1 Corinthians 14, 27, 28. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three, and that by course in orderly fashion, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him that has the gift of tongues keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In fact, in the same chapter, it said, don't forbid to speak in tongues. He says, but if, if, if you have a message and you're delivering the message to the body in tongues, it's not helping anyone. You don't have to stop speaking in tongues, but just speak between yourself and God. Stop trying to garner everyone's attention. Stop trying to speak so everyone hears you. But you can continue to speak to yourself and to God, to pray in the Holy Ghost or pray in tongues. You might say, well, you know, I, 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 I can't. You know, when, when it comes on me, I, I, have, I have no control. And what happens, happens. But the Bible says in the same chapter that a sp the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And that's why verse 40 of 1 Corinthians 14 says, let all things be done decently and in order. Could you imagine if we came in here and two or three or five or ten people were trying to compete for the attention of the room? He says that's not how... Things are supposed to be done. Listen, the reason that this is in our Bible was because the church in Corinth was experiencing an overflow of the gifts of the Spirit. And they were trying to say, okay, this is great, but we've got to make sure things are done right so that everyone is blessed and not just a handful. He says, so even though the Spirit can be overwhelming, it can be powerful, make sure that you are flowing in agreement with his spirit and with leadership that is in the room. Do things decently and in order. And everyone say amen. Jude, I've already referred to the book of Jude. Let me refer to it again. Verse 3 and 4, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They are ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, which means lawlessness, without restraint. And they are denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when there is misuse of the gifts of the Spirit, and we've only really talked about one here, that should not lead to non-use of the gifts of the Spirit. It should simply lead to proper instruction and proper use of the gifts of the Spirit. And I believe that every one of you that are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you have the propensity, the potential, every one of you, to be used by the gifts of the Spirit. Nine of them are mentioned. 
Now, some have misunderstood the gifts of the Spirit, and they see the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, and they see, and then they see the Scripture, do all speak with tongues, as a rhetorical question. Not all speak with tongues. See, it's right there. Not all speak with tongues. But it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. What it's equating is tongues as one of the manifestations that someone is filled with the Spirit. And they say, not everyone speaks with tongues. If you speak with tongues, that's great. But they're misunderstanding the different functions of tongues. If you follow that line of logic, consider this with me. If you follow that line of logic, what are the other nine gifts of the Spirit? Working of miracles, gifts of healings, right? Uh, discerning the spirits. Well, if we follow that line of logic, then we would say, well, okay, where's the evidence for you if those, if those are the proofs that someone's filled with the Holy Ghost? And they would, probably they would all lean to the gift of faith, right? That, because that's not really, you, you might think, well, that's not very, you know, the supernatural thing. You know, I've got faith. That's, that's proof. I've got the Holy Ghost, right? But no, it's the gifts of the Spirit that are supernatural in operation within someone that is filled with the gift of the Spirit. The gift of faith is a supernatural endowment of faith that looks at an impossible situation and proclaims something that is not as though it already is. You can see these, all nine of them, throughout the Scripture. Now let me just say this. So let's say uh, even at, this, at the end, conclusion of this service, Lord knows what might happen in the next few minutes. But let's say at the conclusion of the service, deep move of the Holy Ghost moves over this place, uh, and, and God moves upon hearts, and, and, and the exercise of one of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of diverse tongues, comes upon someone, right? And they begin to speak in such a way as though they are addressing the whole body. How would we know, right? How would we know that that's the gift of diverse kinds of tongues rather than the evidence of speaking in tongues or that they're just praying or praising in tongues, right? And that couldn't happen on more better of a cue. That, was that Mordecai? Because here's, here's the illustration I would give you, is when a child cries. When a child cries, sometimes maybe someone that doesn't know the child, you know, a cry is a cry. But to a mother whose child that is, they could be crying just because they want attention. They could be crying because they are hurt badly. They, are, they could be crying, and, and you could tell by the cry they're hungry, they're tired, they need to be changed. A mother can discern what the cry is for. In the same way, as a, mature, uh, as a church matures, which is the mother, the church, can discern what the tongues are for. That is a different type of tongues. That's not someone receiving the Holy Ghost for the first time. That's not someone just praying and the Spirit's helping them pray. That's not them just worshiping and them being built up in the faith. That's different. I could tell the difference. And, and, and when you could tell that, that is a time, if you know, that's, that's different. God's trying to speak to us right now. That's a time when you should subdue somewhat, so, submit might be a better word, submit your praise, your volume, the volume of your praise and worship, and say, Lord, speak to us. I know you're trying to speak to us right now. And listen and watch and pray if the Lord would, at that time, then deliver a message in diverse kinds of tongues. And then once that message goes forth, then we pray, Lord, give us the interpretation. Let us hear and know what you're trying to say to the church. Well, how, how do I know? How do I, if I'm the one, how do I know? Well, try. The Bible says that, 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 that one should deliver the message and another should interpret and let the others judge. Refuge Church, when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, we're practicing. We're practicing the gifts of the Spirit. We don't claim to be professionals, but we are practicing what God has promised to this New Testament church. And we're trying. The only way that you could become better at something is to test the waters and say, Lord, I'm available. If it's a work in a miracle, if it's gifts of healing, if it's a gift of prophecy, a word of knowledge or wisdom, Lord, I want to be sensitive. And I also want to be submitted that says, Lord, if I'm wrong, let someone correct me in my error. Even recently, hear me, even recently, someone gave me a word of prophecy. And that prophecy did not come to pass. 
that prophecy was not correct. So what should we do? We should find that person and excommunicate them. They missed the mark. No, but you know what? If anything, we should commend that individual. We should also instruct them, okay, it wasn't correct this time, but you know what? At least that individual was sensitive to the spirit enough to say, "I, I think that God is trying to say something through me to you. And so if anything, I thank that person that stepped out, maybe in waters they're not comfortable with, but said, I I believe that this is the word of the Lord. Here it is. Someone say amen. Amen. These things are so powerful, and they're evident and should be evident within the church. In closing, I do want to give you just a few examples. This is not something that's isolated just in this passage, but all throughout history you find the use of tongues. In fact, extra biblical evidence is there. The Encyclopedia Britannica states that glossolalia, or speaking with tongues, as we mentioned last week, quote, recurs in Christian revivals of every age. Philip Schaff, who is a well-known church historian and author of the eight-volume work, The History of the Apostolic Church, says this, speaking with tongues, however, was not confined to the day of Pentecost. We find traces of it still in the second and third centuries. Arrhenius A pupil or student of Polycarp, who was himself a disciple of the Apostle John, wrote this. In like manner do we also hear many brethren in the church who possess prophetic gifts and who through the Spirit speak all kinds of different languages and bring to light for the general benefit the hidden things of men and declare the mysteries of God, whom also the apostles term spiritual. Augustine, who lived between 354 and 430 A.D., wrote, We still do what the apostles did. I love that statement. We still do what the apostles did when they laid hands on the Samaritans and called down the Holy Spirit on them by the laying on of hands. It is expected that converts should speak with new tongues. Even during the Dark Ages, there were those who spoke in tongues. From the 12th to the 15th centuries, there were revivals in southern Europe in which many spoke in other tongues. Foremost among those revi- uh, the, these revivalists were the Waldenses and the Albigenses. In the book, What Meaneth This? Page 92. One more in Sawyer's History of the Christian Church, Volume 3, page 406, the following is found. Dr. Martin Luther of the Reformation was a prophet, evangelist, speaker in tongues, an interpreter in one person, endowed with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is well documented among later Christian groups. Among those in the 1500s was the Anabaptists, the 1600s, the Quakers, the 1700s, the Methodists, the 1800s, the Lutherans. And I, for one, would like to look at some of those groups and say, where are, where are those signs now? What happened? Could you stand together with me? I close with these testimonies. If I could just garner your attention for just a little bit longer. I asked for testimonies from some ministers' friends of mine, and I've got my own from my experiences, but one person said this. He's a minister, and he said in Texas, while he was in Texas, that there was a young adult in his, in his 20s that came forward during the altar call who was deaf, and he was mute, unable to speak. And through sign language and an interpreter explained the gift of the Holy Ghost and then prayed the prayer of faith. They understood, they believed, we prayed, and that individual who was deaf and mute began to speak in other tongues. My brother shared this story with me. He said that there was a pastor friend of of his who said this, every time there was a message in the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, The same person seemed to do it every time. And it was the same phrase. You could tell it was the same phrase. And it was then followed by a different interpretation every time. This confused the pastor. One day a guest of the pastor came to the church. The gift of of diverse kinds of tongues happened again by the same individual who has confused the pastor. What's going on? It happened again. When it happened, the guest of the pastor started laughing. The pastor looked at him and said, why are you laughing? The pastor said, do you understand what they're saying? The guest of the pastor said, yes, that's my native language. The pastor asked, well, what is that person saying? The guest said that the individual who was speaking with tongues, giving the message in diverse kinds of tongues, was saying this in their native language. I'm out of order. I'm out of order. 
I'm out of order. There was a kid at a camp in North Dakota. He had Hurler's syndrome or disease. Hurler's syndrome is an inherited condition caused by a faulty gene. Children with Hurler syndrome lack an enzyme that the body needs to digest sugar. As a result, undigested sugar molecules build up in the body, causing progressive damage to the brain, the heart, and other vital organs. Usually, they only live to about six or seven years old. This kid received the Holy Ghost at a camp meeting in North Dakota. The preacher had just preached about victory over the devil. This child was nine years old, already surpassing the expected age that he should live to. He received the Holy Ghost. He was jumping up and down. And a friend of the boys from Haiti was next to him and was amazed and got his mother. The mother was shocked and got the father. It turned out that this nine-year-old boy was jumping up and down, speaking in Creole, which was a native language to Haiti. The boy was jumping up and down saying, the devil is under my feet. The devil is under my feet. Now, while these kind of stories might be unique and not as common as hearing people speak in tongues and nobody understands, these are glimmers and, and understandings that, you know what, God is not filling us with his spirit and we're speaking unlearned or gibberish words. But God's spirit is a mysterious thing that fills us and how he fills us is entirely up to him. And God could use the beautiful supernatural use of speaking with tongues within the body of Christ to bless the church and to bless the individual. Can we lift our hands right now and just worship the Lord? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this evening's Bible study. I thank you, oh Lord, for what you have done among us, Lord. Not just tonight, but even leading up to this very point. I pray, oh Lord, that your spirit would continue to search the hearts and the minds of the church and the believers. Lord, dig out everything that doesn't belong and implant every seed of truth that does belong. Open our understanding to understand the scriptures. Help us, oh Lord, to have our understanding open and lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray, Lord, that my church family, that we will not only understand the necessity of receiving the spirit and the initial evidence will come with speaking with tongues but Lord, we will also covet earnestly the best gifts. And Lord, that is the most needful in the hour in which we live. I pray, oh Lord, that we will seek and be sensitive to be used of the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, wherever we are, whatever the context, whether we are together for a worship service or Lord, we are with a group of people in a Bible study. Lord, let us seek to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, Lord, we love you. We believe in you. We thank you, oh, Lord, for the work of the supernatural. Oh, Lord, that we don't have to just operate in the natural and in what can be understood, but I'm glad to know that your spirit could work through us in things that are beyond our understanding. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I end where I began, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not charity or love, I'm just making a noise. You see, we could have these supernatural gifts, but if we are not operating in the love of God, what good are the gifts? Amen. We want to seek above all else is for the love of God to be among us. And I believe if we have the love of God, God's love will use us in a way that he loves his people and it could bless the people of God. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for being at Bible study tonight.